Uh, welcome to episode 18 of the Like, Click and Share podcast. Uh, and if you were listening to episode 17, you might have heard, heard me upload the uh, the wrong version of the podcast, uh, so which is the one-minute blooper version where we're doing the test um, and it didn't quite work out. So I hope that should all be remedied now. Um, today, uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, the sales funnel which is different to the uh, customer life cycle. So we're going to talk about the customer life cycle in the next episode, episode 19. But today we'll talk about the sales funnel and why you need one for your business if you don't have one um, or you're not using one. Um, and we'll talk through examples of where you can be using it um, how you can quickly set one up. Um, and there's quite a lot of software, like email software, CRMs. They're all using um, sales funnels of certain descriptions. Not too complicated, but there's loads of benefits um, to this. Um, and waiting in the wings is Gemma, who's going to be talking us through that. Hi, Gemma. Hello, Darren. Hi. And you're going to be talking about Ada. So not a yes. real person. but <laughs> <laughs> No, I am. So Ada is... Um, a sales funnel and it stands for awareness, interest, desire and action. And each one of those is really important at different stages of the customer journey. Um, so awareness is you as a business raising awareness about your products or services. So that's maybe through social media, um, your website itself, the content, events that you might do, whether they're on or offline. Um, paid ads, things like that. So anything that's to do with generating any kind of interest, any reason for people to click on the link in your social media post to come to the website and have a look. Um, interest is when people might leave their name and email address for either a PDF download or um, some kind of white paper, access to a webinar, um, and that's you creating an email campaign to go out to them when you've got their data. After that, you're looking at desire. So you're wanting people to, if you're a service business, fill in a lead form, um, which would then be assigned to a salesperson who would then give them a call. Um, and then after that, you're going through to action. So that's somebody actually clicking the button and saying, yes, I want to buy your product or agreeing once they've spoken to the salesperson that they do want to proceed. Um, and that's pretty much it, really. I think you constantly want to be putting leads into the funnel, don't you? You constantly want to be generating um, traffic to your website um, in your products and services so you can get people to go along the funnel. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, thank you for that. And um, Originally, the uh, four, that was a four-stage sales funnel, um, which I think was... Uh, created by a theorist or marketing theorist back in the 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. So it's been around for quite a long time and it's still, it's highly relevant um, today. It's still being always talked about. Um, and like you say, this is about generating sales for your business. So if you don't think about your business in terms of different sales stages, this is one way that perhaps you can improve your outcomes so if, if things are maybe you're not getting the right results in your um, that you're expecting to get from your business, this should all really be aligned with your sales processes um, and then with your customer journey. And that's why I said we'll talk about the customer 
life cycle and customer journey things next time because they are slightly different there's, there's different aspects to talk about but essentially um they are kind of they should all be aligned together they should kind of uh, uh, they should mirror um the customer journey the sales process and then um the actual kind of sales funnel so the actual different touch points um that your um your customer will kind of like go through just in um from a simple concept all the way through to a much more detailed approach. Um, I'm looking here, um, we're going to put this in the show notes, uh, monday.com. Um, they've got a, like an eight stale, uh, sorry, an eight stage um, pipeline, um, but it's actually um, six stages in the sales funnel. So it sounds complicated, but click on the link and you'll, you'll see what we mean. Um, so they've taken the ADA model, um, and extended it. So we've got awareness, we've got the discovery, um, and we'll go through what these mean, um, evaluation, intent, purchase, uh, and then they talk about loyalty. Then you'll see some people um, may only have like five stages. Um, there are kind of different versions of this, but all that you need to worry about is this, that have you got a sales funnel? And then roughly kind of how does that align with your um, business sales process and the stages that your customers like go through. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's very, very similar to what um, Gemma's just been talking about there, that she was saying that this is all about attracting leads. So we need as many leads to come into the top of the sales funnel. And the goal is they're going through our different sales stages or your sales stages. And now at the bottom will become paid customer so that's that that's why we're doing this um and it's to understand um really what the customer is going through and I, i'm repeating myself here but it's for good reason um it's about understanding what the customer is going through does it mirror what's going on in our company and if if not we need to adjust those stages um so then all the documents align together and all our teams know about what the processes that are but it's also a great way of seeing where people are in the sales pipeline so for instance if you say you might say we see five leads one day and then by the end of the week by thursday friday two of those have progressed into the discovery stage but only three have stayed in the awareness stage now there might be a number of reasons why that might happen but that's the, the point of this. So as a salesperson or director of a business or owner of a business or anybody influential in a business, you'll be able to report back and say, well, we've got X amount of people in the pipeline. The deals are worth this amount. And then the further down the pipeline those leads go, the more likely they are to convert. So... For instance, you'll you'll see the sales pipeline used to well, you might not see it, but you'll hear about it because a salesperson might come and say to you, Well, you you've rung me just at the right time because I've just coming to the end of my month, end of my quarter, and I can give you an extra discount, but I need you to convert or need you to buy by this day tomorrow. And yes, they are it is a bit of pressure selling there. Um, and sometimes they don't have any more wiggle room than the date that they've got because that fits the sales stages. So it's a good example. Sometimes the customer think, well, the sales and this discounts all of the time. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes it isn't true. And it, it's just down to you to work that out at the time. If you think that 
you know, you could still get the discount and it gives you a bit more time. Maybe it's something you can negotiate with, but very often that's where sales, um, this where the pipeline, uh, the sales funnel is really, really helpful. I mean, if you think that it works well for other businesses that do it, that's why you should also try to use it yourself. It's probably not going to work for all businesses, um, but it's still going to be fairly useful for, for most. I'm trying to think for for people that maybe like fast food, you know, if you're running, because if people just want it, they'll just buy it. Um, this You still have sales stages, you know, people will maybe look at the menu or maybe ring up and you might have different processes there. Um, but in terms of like how would you, would you use this particularly on a day-to-day? Probably not because the value of the customers are not there enough. You might want to group people, suppose, if they're like customers that order a lot, uh, particularly so if maybe for a function or you're working, if your business is split between um, takeaway and, um, sort of, you know, if, uh, catering for functions, um, then the value of the function is going to be more. So then this would, you know, would work really well. But ideally, it's trying to measure kind of for, especially for online businesses, where people get to in the sales processes, and then trying to understand, trying to make some sense about why those people, why those customers don't progress to the conversion stage, or if you're very fortunate, how easy you're making it for all your customers to convert through to the final stage. And maybe are there other things that you could be adding in um, before they kind of click through? So if you buy, if you're selling low cost, low cost flights, for instance, um, I'm trying to think what else that you could be selling, but anything like kind of like value, um, kind of kind of like very lots of high traffic. Um, Amazon's another good example, but it's, it's quite big. I'm trying to think of something a bit easier, but so flights is a good one because you know what you want. Um, there's, there's no real negotiation there. You kind of like you buy it and that's it. So you're not going to bring up an agency and get a discount. It is what the price is on the screen. But there's thousands and thousands of other people already looking at the same site and possibly the same um, the same flights as well. So you know you just you've just got to buy it. If you might be just researching, of course, but generally that if you're interested, you're at that stage of buying. You're going to be probably a good way halfway, if not a bit further down. You'd be at that kind of stage four intent. Um, or if you were looking at Gemma's model, you'd be at kind of the, the D in ADA um, before you make that decision um, of action being the fourth stage or in this monday.com sales funnel stage, it'd be stage five and the purchase stage. So hopefully that gives you a bit of an idea of the benefits of using the sales funnel, um, why you should use it um, and like how it can be used. Um one thing I wanted to say about the monday.com version, that it does have loyalty um, on the end of it. Um, and as a marketer, um, I think in the sales funnel, it, it starts to, the sales funnel then starts to look more like a customer life cycle because really loyalty is trying to um, get that customer maybe to buy again. Um, it could be about influencing. You, they may, you might encourage them to leave a review. Loyalty could, could mean that as well. But usually it's the intent of trying to get the person to come back and buy a second or a third time as well. Um, and that's something you see in the life cycle and the sales funnel. Not necessarily you would go through that because sales funnel is usually more focused about 
uh, a lead coming at the top and then coming out um, at the bottom as a paid customer and anything else sort of fits around, um, say, the, the actual life cycle of the customer. Um, so it's not to say it's wrong, it's just that it's just a little bit different. Um, but I have seen a few models using the loyalty side. Um, one thing you wanted to talk about, Gemma, was the was how to build a funnel, which I thought was really interesting. So have you got any tips on how people can build a funnel for their business? Yeah, um, some steps to help you create a sales funnel. I think initially um, you've got to gather the data about your customers. So you've got to know who your customers are, um, the different personas, who's buying from you, what is it that they're interested in, because obviously everybody's different. And when you do your interest campaign, where you're doing your email campaign out to people, they'll all have slightly different um, reasons that they want to buy the product or service, depending on which group that they're in. Um, So it's really important that you know who your customer is. The second one is how are you going to capture your audience's attention? So are you going to use social media posts? Is it going to be SEO? Um, Is it going to be referrals? Is it going to be direct traffic? Is it going to be a mixture of everything? But again, to to do that, you're going to have to have point one, you know, so they all do follow through, like what you were saying. Um, Number three is uh, building a landing page. So your product or service needs to have a specific landing page that you're going to use everything that, was in number two so seo social referral direct traffic all of that is going to come into the landing page so that's going to be for either the product or service and on there you're going to have a testimonial somebody who's used the product or service um their thoughts on it obviously their positive experience you're looking at the benefits of the product or service listing those for people um a little section for people to enter their information and possibly have a lead magnet because obviously you might have to go back out to people and have some kind of email campaign set up because for all you will have people who will buy immediately there'll be very few and far between and I think the number of times that you've got to reach out for people um, during an email campaign will vary depending on the value of the product and what kind of product it is you know if it's a IT solution that people might only need to invest in every three years or every five years you know then that sales cycle and funnel is going to be very very different to somebody um i don't know like buying a new printer or buying a new laptop you know something like it's it's not it's not even close so you need to think about that as well um then you're looking at creating the email campaign so like i said you've got people grouped into personas um what they want from the product what they need to know what the benefits are, um, what problems are you solving for them, um, which is going to generate their need to buy sort of thing. And again, this will match up with what you've got on your landing page. And depending on the product or service, it might be that you have a landing page for each persona, depending on the the value, um, the monetary value of the the product or service. Because if it's a lot of money, then you are going to want to tailor it specifically to the persona, the person who is has that interest, you know, but it might be that you've got two or three different personas that are interested, but it's and, about the wording and the benefits and solving yeah. the problem. And if you're thinking, well, how do you do that? Well, HubSpot, SharpSpring um, are two um, pieces of really powerful um, software that you can create um, landing pages and emails that just display the content 
for the personas that you want to read. So if, for instance, you might just be creating one campaign um, and you might say, well, I, I, if this person, if this customer persona is interested in um, theme parks, leisure parks, for instance, like Disney World, then you'll, they'll see this image and they'll see this text. If the customer persona is interested in five-star holidays, they'll see this version which looks like this image and this text and so on and so forth. If we, if it was kind of based on a theme of like holidays, um, I think you can do. Uh, there's probably lots of software you can do this in now. I, I definitely mm-hmm. know you can do it in Active Campaign because um, I've seen it, um, and I think you can do it in Mailchimp as well. But they're all got different levels of personalization um, that you might see. And I don't think we we have talked about it a lot on previous podcasts about kind of the importance of personalization, but. This is really the ultimate um, mm-hmm. that you can get in terms of your marketing, you know. And I try, I do try to use it myself, but it does take a lot of time, um, and you need to invest. Um, you, you need to invest from the beginning. So that's why it's really important. The, way, the reason why we're talking about it is that once you do this exercise of understanding the customer journey and talking about the, the products that you really want to promote, understanding who you want to be selling to in terms of the personas and then the journeys they're going to be going down, then you can create all of this upfront. And then all you need to be doing is kind of just tweaking, you know, just updating maybe the odd word or colors. Um, but the investment's done, the work's done as it were. And then you can copy those and then use those in other campaigns. It's, it's really, I make, it is a lot of work, but it's easy to replicate and then just amend so you can get up, you know, another two or three, another two or three campaigns out of that original work um, as well. So we'll put links to HubSpot, SharpSpring, Active Campaign um, down in the show notes as well if you're not used um, to seeing that software because, um, the, 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 you know, that is absolutely super amazing, the type of things that you can do. Um, and it's just where it's going right, right now. But a lot of that's where the competitors are um, investing a lot of their time um, we do respond more to personalized marketing um, than marketing without personalization. Um, and it's becoming more difficult to get the sales. Um, we can't just keep relying just on promotions and discounts. Sometimes it's actually just the value of the product and using the promotions and as part of your marketing mix. And that's another podcast topic is about the marketing mix, the seven P's. There's so much to learn about. Um, but yeah, before I, I do you, do you want to go back and finish off what you were saying there, Gemma? Because I was taught, I just interrupted about kind of the personalization aspect. Yeah. Um, the last bit is just keeping the communication going. Um, yeah. Because you might have somebody who will buy off the first email, but you might have to go out to somebody six or seven times because they're not ready. They might have signed up just out of curiosity to have a look at something or they might have started to do the research for a product or service and then something's happened and they're not at the, the buying stage yet. You know, so you'll have to send out a few emails. But I think it's you're sharing useful and relevant content for these people. You know, again, it's about solving a problem and you're thanking people for the for the purchase. So, again, it's the personalization. If somebody signs up on your website to a a lead magnet, it's making sure that once they've put their information in that they get a thank you box that's got their name in, the email that goes out to them has got their name in, you know, so rather than just, oh, thanks thanks for signing up sort of thing or no it's like thanks Darren for signing up you yeah. and telling them exactly what's going to happen next you know so you get an email um 
with the lead magnet in, you know. Um, it's also as well about offering them different types of sales promotions. You know, some people will respond to money off. Some people will respond to a percentage discount. Some people might not be interested in that because, like you said, the value of the product. So it'll be more um, what are the features and benefits of that product. But people also will respond differently to the subject header in your email, um, the what they see in the, the reading pane. So it's really important that even when you're doing this, that you split people off into groups and do some A-B testing as well. Yes. And so you can try and understand what each persona group responds to, you know, yeah. and understand how many um, emails have to go out before you actually see somebody click on something, how many emails go out before somebody actually buys something, you know, it's, it's a lot more complex than what it was like years ago, isn't it? There's a lot more stages now. It's like the, there was four P's to start with now there's seven or eight, isn't there? So yeah. everything's, everything's changed with digital and online, hasn't it? So there's a lot more things to, to think about. You're thinking about different touch points. You're thinking about how many times do people see your social media messages? How many times do they come on your website? How many pages do they look on your website? How many emails do they look at? So, but these systems like SharpSpring and Active Campaign and HubSpot, they all do those things for you so you can get a snapshot and an understanding quite easily. You're not having to think about, oh, I've got to create a spreadsheet and then I've got to get that data. I've got to put the data in the spreadsheet and I've got to look at that and you know, everything, it's it's all done for you, isn't it, with, with SharpSpring and ActiveCampaign with HubSpot, so it makes it a lot easier. It's complicated to set up sometimes, isn't it, depending on how big your customer journey is or how many different stages you've got in your little cycle. Um, but it's as hard or as easy as you make it, I think, isn't it? I, I agree. I think it, it, yeah. it really is. You can. I think that's the thing with this is that, you know, we're saying going through all the processes and if, you know, if you're running a business that does have a lot of different sales stages, you know, you can condense them. And that's why I quite like this monday.com. Um, by the way, we're not being sponsored by monday.com. I keep saying it. And by all these businesses we're mentioning, um, we're not, um, there's no kind of like uh, money exchange in the hands here or anything. Um, but I quite like this one because it does show like in stage two, when you'll see the diagram, um, it says like qualifying leads, initial meeting, define the prospect needs. So you've got three stages within, so three pipeline stages within one sales funnel stage. And that might sound difficult to understand if you're like listening to this, but just say do click on the link um, to have a look um, at the image because it really will help you. Um, and just taking a little bit of time out um, where you can, we can just take, you know, promise yourself an hour and you can have a look at your business and just start to, you know, to break it down. And maybe, you know, if you work part of a team, then speak to your other members of your team to understand from their aspect and from their angle um, in terms of what they see, because what you see might be different to them. Um, but just start off simple. The fact if you've never worked with this type of thing before, or even if you do have a big sales process, you know, is it too big? You know, it, are there too many stages and people just get lost? That can be a common issue, um, you know, where you have to click on this link and go to that website and then do this and might have to fill out a contract and, you know, do all those marketing automation processes all work together. Um, as much as we all love them, sometimes they do break down and things don't go out. And, you know, we're sitting back in the office or looking at the computer thinking, well, you know, the customer's not signed this and I've not done that. Um, so can, can we find a way of 
maybe combining those processes all into one can we tick them off at a quick um interviews or not an interview but like a, a a quick friendly meeting um or do they have to be done you know separately other like legal reasons um that you might have to give sort of cooling off periods and things like that but all of that needs to be sort of built into the sales funnel stages and some rationale put in um and then start to work with it and then put a value to each of those people going through your process because that's the scary thing that's what i learned that once you start putting the value to it you can see people work you know you say you know i know an active campaign in shark spring you can see you can just the people going through the sales funnel um and it is almost a little bit exciting actually to see people kind of go through it um but it's also really scary when you put values on them when they don't reach conversion and then it's understanding then why and that's really important is not to get too deflated it's about then understanding well what could we have done better to save that person you know to maybe help them convert and sometimes there's nothing you can do mm-hmm. you, you know there's not many businesses on there can work on 100% conversion rate um so it's about kind of if this is if this is a, a two-way process it's about understanding your business in a lot more detail um and understanding where you can hopefully improve the outcomes for your business in terms of um sales and as so i'm not the you know i'm a business owner um i say like, i'm definitely not a hard sales person i think you probably speak to anybody that i know i'm definitely not a pushy hard sales person um, I, i don't like it myself and sometimes i might be the other way that i might be sometimes a little bit too hesitant rather than go straight in for the kill and in inverted comments but i've listened to other business owners and they're much more like hungry for the sale but then sometimes i notice that comes across in the sales patter a lot more and i don't like that feeling as a customer being really pushed and sold upon so the, i don't think there's any wrong or right way but as long as you know what kind of works for your 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 key customers and you're not frightened of saying are you ready to buy now because i think that is really important when you get to that final point don't hold back at that stage you've done all the work to get to that decision stage the action stage um and you do need to make it like easy for people to commit because if you get in the way you sound hesitant then they won't commit and then you won't get the sale and you'll lose it to somebody else and they'll feel a bit well why aren't you selling to me because that's that's what they're expecting to happen um and i've heard that a few times from different people where they're just like <coughs> just just sell to me have you got anything to to add to that mm, no i don't think so i think if i think we've pretty much covered everything you know i mean yeah. i totally agree with you about the sales side of things um i'm not a hard sell um and i don't like it when people are you know i don't like it when you get the well why aren't you interested why do you not want to buy yes. you know what's what's oh, wrong with it <laughs> and it's like well that do you know that that's yeah. what's wrong you know um yeah. and i hate i hate that you know it's it really it doesn't like wind us up but when people say, well why don't you want it what's wrong with it and i just think well how you've just gone on there it's it's funny isn't it and it doesn't yeah. matter for me it doesn't matter whether or not it's a whether or not it's a message or whether it's somebody like face to face um or over the phone it each way and i just think no i might have been interested but i'm not now it's interesting because in, in the emails i've noticed a lot more the emails this year i've started to do that as well that if you 
you know, if you don't reply, you suddenly get like an email out of the blue from somebody that kind of looks like the the tone of the language of the cold email looks like you kind of like they know you and mm-hmm. trying to maybe quite have this kind of strike a conversational tone. And then, well, you're just not interested because you don't know them anyway and all the product's not right for you. So you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not going to bother responding. You know it's a sales message. And then you start to get another one and another one afterwards. And then you kind of get this final one. It's like, well, I'm sorry if I offended you or like, I just can't understand why you don't want to work mm-hmm. with us. It's like, it's odd language. And on paper, in theory, you know, if somebody's lifted it from somewhere to say, you should say these types of things, but you wouldn't say that to somebody in the street. Well, I definitely wouldn't anyway. No, I like, wouldn't. It, it, it is really, really pushing and it makes you, I feel that you, you, I, I squirm when I read that. Um, so it's like, it's like, it doesn't make you feel comfortable. And like I say, it doesn't make you convert. It just makes them sound a bit stupid. Um, that kind of like, I well, feel like at the, I feel like at the minute I'm getting a lot of, um, emails from people offering their services. And then again, like what you say, they're really, really nice. Um, like almost like how you would email your friend. And then it comes in one day and then the following day, it's like, I haven't heard back from you. Are you not interested? Yeah. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> like, I've only no. just got the email. <laughs> I've only just, one, I've only just got the email. And then if you reply or say, like, if you reply or say anything, then it's like, a, well, why not? Why, why don't you want it? You know, it's a good price and it's this and it's that. And it's like, well, I wasn't, the thing that I don't understand is I'm getting all these emails, but then I haven't opted in on any of these yeah like websites any of these companies you know so i'm I'm like well where did you get the email from you know and it's just like i had somebody the other day about this white label seo i've had a lot of those um recently and i emailed back and i said which company is that you're from um and then i got a response that said oh thanks for showing an interest i've arranged for such and such to give you a call and i'm thinking well i don't know what part of me just asking what company are you from is me agreeing to have a call with your salesperson, you know, it's just, I don't know. I think it's, it's a bit strange at the minute, I think out there, um, for some, I think certainly for some, not for all, but certainly for things, um, like SEO and websites and apps and this, they tend to be a lot of like speculative emails, sales emails that I get a lot of. But then when I look, I think, well, I don't know where you've come, like, I don't know where you've come from because I haven't registered any interest anywhere. I don't know where you've got my email address from. Yeah. So, it's yeah. Absolutely tons of, like, you can see, I was saying this to somebody the other day, and I've kind of gone slightly off topic, um, but, well, I say not off topic, but kind of going into a slightly different area. Uh, um, you know, with marketing lists, it's really interesting because all the big players, you know, MailChimp, HubSpot, Active Campaign, you're not allowed to import lists of data that you've mm. bought yet the marketing sector do it actively they're always buying like marketing lists and for mm-hmm. some businesses that's kind of like how they survive so you've got this kind of um two-sided um approach here um and if you see if you look into the header of a lot of the emails they're using maybe like gmail.com or hotmail.com and i don't i just don't even bother even replying or even unsubscribing anymore to them because um, I think, well, there's a lot of kind of uh, speculation about, you know, if you click on anything, even the, the unsubscribe, that it kind of activates that you've read it. I mean, they can, probably can see certain things anyway. Um, but, yeah, marketing automation as a as a whole 
he's going a bit into overdrive and and linkedin messages as well use the sales mm-hmm. navigator even though it's really expensive the, the amount of people that are sending like speculative messages through must be costing absolute fortune and each I get one like one or two a day yeah at the minute, just, sponsored oh. sponsored messages and it's a, it's another thing that might kill the platform later on because you're just less likely to keep responding to those messages and i still think there's an art to when you're writing a personal email that you, you can't it just doesn't sound like a sales email it sounds like when you when you know that you're emailing somebody that person knows you've only written that email for them and mm-hmm. i don't still don't think you can replicate that on mass you can get yeah. it quite close but i think that yeah those times uh, are, are quite rare and people know the ones to respond to and the ones maybe like not to respond to so um sometimes i think the quick one-liners work oh i've just I've just thought about this are you up for it mm-hmm. you know is this of interest to you and it's like oh and, and it's like because there's no big backstory to it and they i never understand and there's another thing as well and i think you um you can buy these uh you know, these secrets of sales success on um, like YouTube and they try to sell you their, 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 you know, the success to making millions. And then you'll see these landing pages, which just go on forever of all these case studies. And, and they seem to think that people will just get lost and then just, you know, buy. I don't know what they, I don't know what the outcome is. It must work. I think it works for them because they sell, but I'm not, I don't think it works for everyday people. It's like, you know, if I'm struggling to listen to a podcast for two or three minutes, I haven't got like 10, 15 minutes to be sitting there like reading three, four pages of copy. I just, I don't understand it. It's, uh, again, it's just very good marketing from the people selling that stuff. So if you're thinking of whether that's the right way to sell or not, just don't do it. Because think about how you sell and how, how you buy, and that will give you more clues about how you should kind of like work out your sales process. I think we've talked enough. <laughs> we've gone. I hope you found it interesting anyway. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you might have different viewpoints. Um, we'd love to hear them. So all the contact details um, are below. Um, and I say on the next episode, episode 19, we'll talk a bit about the customer lifecycle because it's similar to the sales funnel, um, but there are some differences there, kind of like pre-sales and post-sales. So those are the two stages that most companies miss about. So uh yeah, if you like this podcast and want to hear a bit more, then definitely tune in to episode 19 um, coming up soon. Otherwise, take care and thanks for listening. See you later. Bye-bye.